Recorded live. All right, welcome here on DYRP Midnight Hour with your humble servant of Jesus Christ. Prophetess Adrena Turner is my name. And this particular show came about from last week. Lately, we've been having continuations from the previous week. And last week, we were really talking about Eden and the cool of the day. And some of you know, in the Garden of Eden, it was a place where God provided, he supplied the need, um, and he also blessed it. And he looked at everything as being good. You know, when he created man, he knew that was a good thing. When he created woman, you know, that was a good thing. However, there were some situations that happened in Eden that caused Adam, the man that knew the commandment from God when we read in Genesis 2, that God gave man the commandment, okay? And initially he was supposed to let woman know and he was supposed to be the leader, the head, as some teachings would say, that he's the head of the household, he's the leader, he was the first that was created. However, he failed as well, even though we talked about how Satan utilized the serpent to speak to the weaker of the two, which was the woman. And so we really talked about that. I gave some scenarios, about four different scenarios of how that could have played out or how Adam could have not failed. However, we know the end result, that he did fail, he sinned, and brought a curse technically to every generation thereafter. Everybody that was born, not only from his seed, but every seed thereafter, uh, we had to pay that consequence because of Adam. So tonight we're going to tap in and talk about Adam, where are you? Now, Adam, as we also discussed last week, was the first man that God created. Um, He was supposed to be the first man that actually not only took care of the land and he was supposed to live eternally, but really, this is what I want to talk about tonight. He was supposed to be the head, the leader, the priest of this relationship that he had with woman. He was supposed to guide her, lead her into making the right decision. Instead, he was worried about losing her instead of leading her. And so I noticed today I'm asking men that are supposed to be the heads, the leaders, the priests, and, you know, in our household with women, where are you? Why are you not leading us spiritually? Why are you not leading us to what God has maybe commanded you to do as we learned last week? So let's tap into that and let's start this discussion. And I have Brother Michael Jones. I invited a few others, but for unforeseen circumstances or they have vocation, you know, employment jobs that unfortunately these other uh, men of God unfortunately couldn't be here. So we're going to go ahead and start with a scripture reading first as we tap into this. And the verse of the day is from Romans 1, verse 16 in the NIV. And it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, 
because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Now, as you know, um, Jesus Christ came and taught the disciples who were Jews. They were the first ones to get the gospel, and they were supposed to not be ashamed of the gospel. They've experienced the power of God not only bringing salvation to everyone who believes, but just seeing the power manifested and miracles taking place. But then it was also supposed to go worldwide, even those who were not Jews, basically. So I'm hoping that this word will bring forth some kind of direction or guidance as well, that we're not ashamed of the gospel. We are aware of the power of God, that it's really about salvation and making disciples of Jesus Christ. So part two of this, Adam, where are you? Even though we gave scenarios, as I stated last week, of ways that he could have not sinned, he could have not went against the will of God, he could have directed the woman, because he was standing right there. It wasn't like he was in the distance down somewhere else or out yonder. You know, he was right in that area when this was all taking place. So we can think of various scenarios that could have happened, but today we're going to discuss a little further of where are our men or our leaders today. Adam could have saved him and her, his wife, that he later, when you look at Genesis 3, he named his wife Eve because she was the mother of living things or mother of living beings. She, the one who birthed children. So Eve just stands for the mother of the living, the mother that birthed many. So um, once he named her in Genesis 3, we have to look at that. Yes, he loved her. It's apparent that he loved her. But some would argue he loved her more than the one who created him. And we're seeing that in relationships today. Some people love their churches, their church bodies, their ministries more than the one who gave it to them. A lot of church leaders today, that even male leaders, do not want to see women in the congregation leading. They just want to see them as evangelists and or teachers. They don't want to see them as bishops, preachers, and so forth or running the church unless they do it co-pastoring, meaning husband and wife team, or only a woman would speak for announcements and things of that nature. But when we go back to the story, when we looked at Genesis 1, we read part of Genesis 2, and looked at Genesis 3 when the sin had happened, uh, we're going to look at probably Genesis 3 today to go a little bit more clarity on that. But... The point I want you to get out of this is Adam could have saved himself and his wife that he truly loved. Um, and how could he have done that? Okay, so here go our scenarios <laughs> again. So let me go ahead and go to Genesis 3 if you do have your Bibles. 
Uh, you're welcome to either follow me on your tablets, on your app, on your phone or tablet, or just get your Bible. You're actually the book. So we're going to go into the fall, what had happened, what had transpired a little bit. And then, as usual, I'm going to give you a few scenarios of how I believe he could have saved her. And that was his mission. Ultimately, was Adam was also looked upon as her savior. And that's why later Jesus was known as the last Adam because he is truly our savior. He had to come and save us from destruction, save us from the wages of our sins, which is death. Okay? So let's talk about that. Look at Genesis 3, the fall. And it says, now the serpent, also Satan, was more crafty than any wild animal the Lord had made. He said to woman, did you really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So now Satan is kind of misconstruing what God originally said. Now, he made it very clear when we read in Genesis 2 last week that he commanded Adam, you can eat of any tree, but you cannot eat of the tree of knowledge of both good and evil. Now, if you remember correctly, or you're welcome to go back to the archives and listen to that. And so now the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Now, the woman clearly knew the commandment. So in some cases, you know, she can't blame Adam, which she didn't, okay, when it came to the blame game. Man blamed woman. Woman blamed who she was speaking to, the serpent. She didn't go back and say, well, my husband should have been there for me. (laughs) He should have stopped me. He should have led me. He should have guided me. He should have protected me, things of that nature, which we believe that's what men are supposed to do. But in this situation, she's conversing with the serpent openly. Now, some of you would argue she shouldn't have even went that far. She should have just walked away. She knew better. But she clearly defined to the serpent when he was telling her and asking her a question about did God really say that. So that kind of gets you to think like did he. But she clearly says that we can eat from all the trees, but God did say, I can't eat of this one in the middle or the center of the garden. I can't even touch it or I will die. So in verse 4 it says, okay, here goes the service still working on that. Did God really say that? So then you're questioning God. A lot of times we hear from God and we talk to someone else to get advice, and you start to question, did God really say that? Come on, we have done that when God gives a word that seems kind of out of place, out of norm, and we'll ask someone else. And sometimes the enemy will put that doubt in their mind, and then you're questioning it yourself. And as we know the word of God, that's a wayward person. That's a double-minded person. We don't need to be double-minded. So she's already clearly defined that I wasn't supposed to touch that one. She said not even touch it. It was not just eat anymore. She even said, I wasn't supposed to touch it or I would die. Now, here comes the enemy who's this crafty guy, which I know he spoke to even believers. Um, He tells her, you will not certainly die, he said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat 
from it, your eyes will be open and you will not, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay, so now what is he putting in her mindset? He's letting her know now you're going to be like God. But remember, God already made them in his likeness and in his image. So now he's trying to clearly tell her now you can become God with the little G-O-D-S, God. And not only that, he made it very clear to her, which he should have caught the first part, God knows when you eat of that tree. Remember, God is all-knowing. She didn't catch that. Instead, what that desire for her was, wow, I could be a God. I would know good and evil. She couldn't just accept that she was already in his likeness and in his image. She wanted to become a God. That's how he got her. And he kept clarifying once again, first he's questioning, did God really say that? And second, he's bringing it back to her that she will not die. So when woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, now she's having this desire saying, well, God did say all the food in this place is good for us to eat. Now it's starting to become desirable. And also it was her desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some and ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, again, her man was clearly there. He wasn't out in the distance, right there. He was that close where she could literally hand it over to him. And then their eyes were both open, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he's walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees. But the Lord God called man, and this is what we're talking about. Who did he call? Adam. And he said, where are you? And the Lord is calling on men today asking the same question. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Now, This is what happens with a lot of our men today. They want to make excuses like Adam did. They want to sometimes explain why they did what they did. And they hide from responsibilities. They hide from leadership. And many men, which is so sad, they hide from their roles. And this is what Adam answered. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So now all of a sudden he's concerned about his nakedness. He's not clothed. He wasn't concerned about that in Genesis 2 when we clearly read they were not ashamed of being naked. Now he's afraid. Why? Because he's guilty. His conscience is eating at him. As Satan has said, you're going to be able to see the difference between good and evil. So now he knows he's done something that was bad, that wasn't right, and it was against God's will for his life. So he admitted he heard him, but he was scared, so what did he do? He hid. Today, many men are hearing from God, but they're afraid of that responsibility and that role or that type of task that God has given them. So what do they do? They hide. Many men today are getting women pregnant. They're planting that seed. 
But when it's time for that baby to be born and take care of that responsibility, they're hiding. So God said in verse 11, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I command you not to eat from? So now God is questioning them. Oh, so your eyes are not open. You ate from that tree I could clearly told you not to eat from. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me the fruit and I ate it. Oh, mm. And I watch a lot of court cases, especially paternity courts, and it's so funny how they be like, well, you know, they'll call the woman every name out of the book, but you lay down with her. And now once you made a baby and it's time for a paternity test to verify whose DNA or who fathered the child, you know, they'll make every excuse of why they slept with her. They ate it. They ate that forbidden fruit, but now they don't want to deal with responsibility. Also, he blamed the woman. It's the woman that you gave me, Lord. If you would have never gave me, I would not have sinned. Is that what he's really saying? Come on. Let's break it down. Is that what he's saying? He said, the woman you put here with me. Now, remember, he was crying in Genesis 2 when he looked around, named all the animals, took care of everything, saw everybody was mating. They had a mate. You know, and now he's the only one realizing I can't really mingle with any of these animals. None of them could connect or relate to me. And now you're giving me this beautiful woman. But when sin came in or that guilt trip, the first person he blamed is God, the one you made for me, the one you gave me. Mm-hmm. So then the Lord said to the woman, because he's blaming the woman, so now he looks at her. Now, mind you, he talked to man first because that's who he created first. And he's trying to figure out if he'll be responsible. You know, sometimes I wish he would have just admit, hey, I ate it. But no, he's telling God it's the one you created for me, and that's why I did it. And so he said, well, what is this you've done? Okay, so now we know the woman is the guilty party. And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate it. So she admits she was beguiled or she was deceived. She was seduced the Lord in thinking this was a desirable thing to gain such wisdom. The food started to look so good that she just had to take a bite out of it. And that's what we do. Temptation sometimes looks so good. We just want to see how close we can get without getting burned, but most of the time we get burned. So she admits she's deceived. But she also had the opportunity when he was letting her know God sees all, but if you do this, you'll be like God. So she looked at the desire to be like instead of God knowing and seeing. So the Lord said to the serpent, so now he's going to the next guilty party and says, because you've done this, curse you are above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Now, mind you, at that time, serpents or snakes were able to stand upright. You know how a cobra, when it's ready to attack, how it's it's upright and you barely see its tail, like, doing that little hissing sound? They used to stand upright and crawl up trees and things of that nature. Now they have to slither and be on their bellies. But at first, like I said, when you see a cobra, that's up for attack, that's how they used to move versus now they're slithering and on their bellies. And then now they got to eat dust. I'm quite sure they ate something more appetizing before that. 
So that was the snake's curse. And then he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, what that's saying is that in the future, woman will give birth to a man, which end up being Virgin Mary, gave birth to Jesus, and because he died on that cross for our sins, he crushed the plans of the enemy, where now we can be saved again and be back in union with God, which is a beautiful thing. But before that, we're going to always battle against the enemy. So now we do battle against demons and Satan because if we're believers, they're always trying to come and attack and put certain situations in our life to see if we're going to be tested and if we're going to give in and give up on God and trust in him that he will bring us through. So in verse 16, we find out what the curse was for the woman. And it says, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe with painful labor and give you birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. So, again, we're seeing that a lot today where, unfortunately, some women choose to be in leadership, and then it kind of breaks up the home. Uh, Some women, unfortunately, are the breadwinners. They're carrying all the weight in the household, and the men are not doing it, but she desires to be the head or that leader or that person in charge uh, and she, but it still says that man will rule over you. He still is supposed to be the head. But we're going through the pain, having these children, uh, laboring and, and taking care of these kids is, is our bearing. But what I say is today we still go through that. But men somehow are not what Adam was supposed to do. And let's look at that in verse 17 and what he said to Adam, because you listen to your wife, and ate from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat of. Curse is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat from the food, from it the day of your life. So in other words, he has to grow his food. He has to work hard. He has to be a hard worker. And sadly, we're not seeing men being these hard workers. I've met many men that were looking for women that they can live off, pawn off, and just lay on a couch somewhere and not spend and take care of themselves, not be these hard workers that was supposed to be their curse. Um, it says you will it will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field. You will have the sweat of your brow. You will eat your food until you return to the ground that you were taken from the dust, and the dust you will return. And in verse 20, as I was speaking earlier, Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all the living. So basically, God made garments for them and clothed them, and he said the man was now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. So what is he talking about here? The man become like one of us. As you know, there's a unity. Us is a trinity, talking about the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and Jesus the Son. That's where the us is coming from. But now we should know the difference between good and evil. And he must not allow to reach out his hand and take also from the life, tree of life and eat and live forever. Now, y'all didn't realize in the garden there was a tree that they were eating from and nurtured from to have eternal life. That was the original plan, to live forever. They no longer could do that because of that sin. 
So he banished them from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had taken. And after he drove the man out, he placed the east side of Garden of Eden, a cherubim or angel, with a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. And so you know how some people are always looking for this life. Um, they believe in some things like, oh, there's a fountain of life. Um, because this all came from the Garden of Eden, some people are still searching for something where they can live forever. But remember, no one has ever found this land. There's no fountain of youth because, as you know, they were eating from a tree that was giving them that eternal life as we see in the scriptures. But this is probably where they got the hope from uh, to live forever is because of this scripture here. But we're not seeing, Adam, where are you? We're not seeing men toil the ground or working hard to take and send for their families. Instead, they're leaving it upon the woman. So how could Adam have saved her? Well, it's clearly simple. One, he shouldn't have listened to her. God made it very clear in this verse we just read. Because you listen to the woman, here's your punishment or here's your curse. Um, also, he could have spoke to her. He could have commanded her not to eat of that tree because she clearly told Satan that, you know, God commanded us not to eat of that tree in the middle and the center. So he could have spoke to her in a way, a loving manner, letting her know, baby, please do not eat of that tree and remind her and bringing her back with that spiritual connection to God. Because he's supposed to be our priest, like our head, dealing with that spiritual connection, but he didn't do that. He didn't speak to her, and instead he listened to her. He should not have listened to her. He shouldn't have followed through what God had given him. Or he could have physically knocked the fruit from her hand, you know, hit it out. And so that was some things he could have done, not listen, spoke to her, and even if push come to shove, just knock it out of her hand. He could have also spoke the truth and life in her so that she could see the way. And we need that from men today. Where are you? Speak life in your woman. Speak the truth. Um, like his father, following him and speaking the word, things shall be. And still could have been that sinless, blameless, innocent Adam living forever. But now we still today have that chance to follow Christ, do his will, abide in him, be with him, and be holy and pleasing to God. Learn from our forefather, Adam. I'm waiting for that day to have eternal life for Christ. But as we read in verse 17, Again, because he listened to his wife and ate of that fruit, which God commanded him not to do so. Now let's turn to Second Corinthians, or I guess I can. Second <laughs> Corinthians, chapter seven, and we're going to look at one through four. Okay. Again, that's First Corinthians. I mean, 2 Corinthians, excuse me, chapter 7, verses 1 through 4. Okay. Let me just look at the whole, just go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. All right. And so what it states is, therefore, since we 
have these promises, dear friends. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So that's what we need to do after what Adam has already done. You know, here's a promise that God is giving us, and I believe in the book of Corinthians this is Paul speaking, but he's letting us know we can purify ourselves, anything that contaminates the body and spirit. This is how we can be holy and pleasing to God. And we know what those things are. So Paul's joy over the church repentance, it says in verse 2, make room for us in your heart. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have exploited no one. I say this to condemn you. I say this before you have such a place in your heart, in our hearts, that we live or die with you. I've spoken to you with great frankness. I have great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged. And all your troubles, my joy knows no bounds. So he's letting us know to make room in our hearts for Jesus. You shouldn't have wronged anybody. You shouldn't be corrupted. You shouldn't exploit anyone, you know, bringing out another Christian and what they're doing to the light. I mean, some things do need to be brought to the light, but let that happen without us exploiting these people, not condemning these people, but have a place in our hearts where we want to live for Christ and also be willing to die. Um, so he, he's saying, you know, he has great pride in us believers or followers of Christ that we just stay encouraged and believe that there's peace beyond understanding, Okay. Because they went through harassment and things in that time because of their belief for Christ. And if you've been watching the Bible AD series after the death of Christ, it kind of shows you some of the things that they had went through once Christ had died because they still followed. They thought once Jesus died, the Roman Empire thought they would take root of their power and people would no longer follow a Savior that physically is dead. But they got to see Christ spiritually risen and still was able to eat and drink with them and then saw him go up ascend to the heavenly sky. Now I want to look at verse 10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. All they're saying is that when we grieve or hold on to something and causes us to sin, we know the wages of death is sin. That's what that's saying. But if we have a real godly sorrow, you know how Adam could have also done this. You know, when he sinned, instead of hid, he could have confronted God, confessed those sins, which would have brought repentance. So in other words, we know we're not living right and we know we've wronged either our bodies um, dealing with fornication, dealing with um, adultery, or even dealing with a lust in our hearts and minds to somebody that isn't ours or we're not married to, we should have that kind of sorrow inside that says, hey, I know I'm doing wrong against God. I need to repent. And that leads us to salvation, not regret, okay? And so 11 talks about, see what this garlic sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness, what earnestness to clear yourself, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern or readiness to see justice done. At every point, you've proven yourself to be innocent in this matter. So Paul is going to know, I wrote you this 
on the account for one who did wrong, nor on the account of an injured party, but rather that before God you see yourself, how devoted to us you are, and to stay encouraged. So, again, if we're reflecting the spirit of God and we admit and prove to ourselves that we're innocent because we already went before him, have that, you know, reverence for God, and we're sorry, we're truly, truly sorry, and we repent and don't want to go back, then he's saying you're innocent. You're, you're now holy and pleasing to God in so many words. Uh, in verse 15 in Second Corinthians 7 is talking more about his affection for you is greater when he remembers that you were all obedient, receiving him with fear and trembling. I'm glad I can have complete confidence in you. And that's how Jesus wants with us is to be confident in you that are obedient. Okay? So we already talked in Genesis 3 about the curse or the curses that happen to woman, to man, and to the serpent. And as you see, when God heard them give their case, the man blamed woman, the woman blamed serpent. When God gave them justice, what was due right unto them, he first started with the serpent that started all the mess, then with the woman, and then with man. Okay? So, uh, let's see. And then Genesis 5, 1, it talks about Adam's family line. So if you want to see where Adam, where he's been and his family line, you can look at Genesis 5, verse 1. But in verse 3, it tells us he lived to be 130 when his son Seth was born to him. Now, as you know, Abel seemed to be the man of promise. And he still talks about in Hebrews, I think, 11, where it still talks about Abel's faithfulness, even though he was slewed or slayed by his brother, Cain. Mm-hmm. So after Abel's death, uh, it took a long time before such a man of promise or the family line of Adam for Seth to be born. And as you know, Seth and, and further on eventually came to the bloodline of Jesus. So you see how God came with something good again, even though Abel died years later, he gave Adam the promise once again, which is Seth. So the enemy comes in to attack, deceive, manipulate, and trick us. But even though he might have destroyed Cain's mind and being envious of his brother that he led to killing him instead of repenting, which in a sense he was making the same mistake as his father. So, Adam, where are you? You know, some of us are still doing the sins of our fathers. But he has led to a more devious sin of murder. That was the first time that ever happened. But, see, God still gave him a promise to Adam and his seed by blessing him with Seth when he was 130. And now our lifespan today is 120. So I'm asking you, Adam, where are you? These kingdom-minded men, these leaders in our homes at work, at school, or at church, the head of the household, 
sadly, women have took the roles as the breadwinner, as the head of the household, as bishops, as preachers, not just teachers, even judges like Deborah had to do during her time because men wouldn't stand up and be just in the land. But as we know, uh, if you read further in the book of Genesis, Adam lived to be 930 years old. So, yeah, they surely didn't die physically, but they died spiritually. They probably died emotionally and mentally because they were no longer in the land that supplied and provided. Now they had to toil for food, dig in the earth to plant food and find food and things of that nature. But he did die physically eventually. So you can find out more about the historical records in First Chronicles 1, verse 1, Hosea 6, verse 7. This is where Adam broke the covenant made between him and God. It showed where he was unfaithful once again from the book of Genesis. So if you want reference, Hosea, H-O-S-E-A, 6, verse 7. Um, also, you can look at First Chronicles 1. And so men can be unfaithful, not only to God, but to their families, to their women, to their employers, just even to their children. Romans 5, 12 talks about how sin entered the world through one man who was absent. And the way of death comes to all people because all have sinned. Why? Because of Adam. So, Adam, where are you? It seems like when you look at Romans 5, 14, verse 14, it says, it shows how we follow the pattern, how sin leads to our death, and it comes to all. All because he broke the covenant. He broke a commandment. And 1 Corinthians 15, 22 talks about Adam because of Adam, all die, but we also die in Christ, all will be made alive. So let's go to that passage so we can get a clear understanding. I may not read it from the NIV, and then I'm going to probably have Brother Michael come on and talk. I just want to make sure I get this word in you as he tells us what's going on with the leaders today. Uh, again, let's go to First Corinthians. Chapter 15, we're going to look at verse uh, 22 and verse 45, because lastly, remember, I told you about the first and the last Adam, so it's actually in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, so we'll do some more research after we get off that call. So in verse 15, I mean, 22, excuse me, in 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, for as in Adam, all died, so in Christ, all were made alive. So when Christ came, he came to save us. But Adam could have saved himself and Eve, as I stated in the beginning. But because of the sin, we all die. We're born into sin, or we all are meant to die. But because we give our lives over to Christ, we can all be alive, live eternally with him. And then verse 45, also in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians 15, it says, so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, but the last Adam is a life-giving spirit, a life-giving spirit. So here we got Adam as the first man, but he was just a living being. That's it. So we're all living. We're living beings, but it's to Jesus, the last Adam, 
to give us a life-giving spirit for eternity. I don't know about you, but I think that's absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So he was just a living soul was Adam, but the Christ was a living, life-giving spirit, life-giving spirit. So that's why we know now in the New Testament when we come to Christ, he lives inside of us, which is beautiful. So Lord planted the garden in the east, as we saw in Genesis 2, verse 8. Some believe today that is actually Iraq. Um, and then 1 Timothy 2, verse 14, 1 Timothy 2, verse 14. Let's go there real quick, 1 Timothy 2, verse 14. Okay. And it says, Adam was not fooled by Satan. It was the woman who was fooled in sin. Now, we got to be, think about this for a moment. So Adam was not the one that was deceived. It was Eve, the woman, that was deceived and became a sinner. She made that clear when God was asking each person what had happened. She said, the serpent deceived me. But she could have outsmarted him because she clearly defined what she couldn't do. He kept trying to misconstrue the words and make it seem like, you know, God was holding something from them. When we clearly know that God supplied and provided and blessed everything, but Satan trying to make it seem like, you know, you guys are losing out on something, wisdom. You're losing out on being like God. And so she sinned, but because Adam was the first that knew the commandment and he followed woman and got fooled as well, now everyone becomes a sinner. So this is a question and discussion if you want to remember. And so why did Adam carry the curse to all men? Because of Adam's sin, we all, it's a generational curse that we all are born into sin. We just read that passage in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, because of Adam, all will die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Also, we know Adam wasn't fooled by Satan. It was the woman, but he followed woman. He listened to woman. And he clearly told God, because I listened to her, the one you created and made for me, that's why I did it. Please, people, start being accountable for yourself. Adam, where are you? Be accountable for yourself. He could have stood up and confessed, God, I sinned. I admit I've done it. But instead, he's going to say, because I listened to her, because this woman you gave me. So, again, he was the one who broke the commandment, who broke the covenant with God. So when I think about Genesis 2.21 that we read last week, he was in a deep sleep, and today I want to ask men, are you still sleeping? Are your eyes still being blinded, or are you wearing blinders? Are you choosing not to see what's clearly in front of you? Are you choosing not to see how the enemy is deceiving you? Okay. 
So as we look through some of the scriptures just for review, Genesis 2.25 talks about how they were both naked. They wasn't ashamed of it. Genesis 3, we clearly read, now they're hid and they're ashamed of the nakedness. Why? Because they ate of the tree of both knowledge and good. Verse 4 talks about how their eyes were open now and they became like God. We read that in Genesis 3, 4. They became like God. And more importantly, they became wise. So men cannot say, I don't know the difference. We do because of our forefather, Adam. You know the difference between good and evil. So both of their eyes was open. Our eyes are open, but are we choosing not to see? Our eyes are open. They even heard the sound of God in the cool of the day. And we read in Genesis 3, verse 8. Are you hearing God today? Where are you? God called Adam, not woman, or not the woman he later named Eve, the mother of the living. He was asking Adam, where are you? He's asking men today. Where are you? And when he got the curse, when we read through 10 through 24 of Genesis 3, man was drove out of the Garden of Eden. He was supposed to be a hard worker. Where are these hard workers today? Where are these leaders today? Where are these providers to take care of their household, their families? His curse doesn't seem to be following through since then. It seems like women are being the hard workers and dealing with the child barrier, bringing forth life, dealing with painful labor. They desire to rule their mate. And I'm seeing that. I was watching a show called Preachers of Detroit, and the woman that happens to be a bishop, she's losing her husband, and he's like her second husband. But she tells him clearly, I'm going to do what the will of the Lord is. I'm not going to worry about you, but she should let her man be the head of her household. But because she's the bishop of the church, she's making it seem like, you know, I'm going to take God over you. And he's like, are you always going to use that defense? So she may end up in divorce, but the series had ended, so we don't know if that's where they're going to end. But she won't let her man be the head inside their home. So she's actually following what we've read in Genesis 3, where it's her desire to rule her mate. But also, as I told you earlier, woman is the one that gave birth to the Savior, Jesus, to crush the serpent's head. So now, as men and women, we're followers of the Christ. We are to share the gospel of Jesus, make disciples of Jesus Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, or even baptize them in the name of Jesus the Christ, Christ Jesus, and crush the serpent's head, his plan through Jesus Christ. He wants to destroy us believers. He's there to devour us. But we need to crush the plans of the enemy as believers. We're living in the end times, and I'm writing this series. It's not easy because sometimes the enemy speaks to me too, how he wants me to write his part. But the point is that as believers, we need to be prepared as followers of Jesus Christ. One thing to believe, because even Satan and his demons believe, but as followers, we are to follow the one who is our giver, who is our savior, who is our creator. 
So where are you? Let's go ahead and bring in Brother Michael Jones to share his part. Where are they at in the church today? Welcome, Brother Michael Jones. Blessing to everyone. Greetings and blessings everyone today. God bless you. And we just ask the peace and the love of God to increase us, to be with us, and to cover us in this time and this area. As you say, Adam, where are you? And as we look around, we'll see, like you said, church is some 40%. Well, you are greatly exaggerating, you know what I mean? Because the church membership for men are less. Um, it is so, I said, far less than 50%. It is not funny. Because I'm just speaking from now from the areas of my uh, town I live in and some of the places that I've visited lately. And even when I was traveling down south, you go to churches, and not even if a woman is not in the pastor or in the pulpit, it seems as if the men are not the men are there. But then you ask guys, why aren't you in church? And then there's a big uh, exodus from the church for those who are in the church. Two million people a year that are leaving the church. What is going on? So you start to really ask questions. You start to observe it more now. But then you ask questions and find out, like, what is up? What's wrong? And you look at the different things, and one of the things is, is the sin. And as you were speaking before, one of the things that you, some of the things that you came across even in Genesis, fear, nakedness, temptation, and deception. Those four things stands out, and you can put them in either order, uh, or however you want to put them, because nakedness, even in Revelation, is referred to as sin. When a man is naked in Scripture, he is in sin. That's why God had to sacrifice an animal to take the skins and cover man's nakedness, cover his sin. That's why throughout the ages that the church, early churches, had to come up with a sacrifice, a pure uh, lamb, or a dove, or however, to, in order to cover the sins of the people in their breaking the law. Then you have the fear. Well, Adam never knew anything about fear because he was there with the Lord. It's like with nakedness. God said, who told you that you were naked? There are a lot of things in those days that Adam did not even know about because he wasn't aware of it. But he only knew what God told him. But fear, I was afraid because I was naked. Fear is leading us so much, especially the men, away from the body of Christ and away from their responsibilities in the church. They're, uh, how you said, being uh, uh, up front and to be covered, to be out there as uh, like, okay, I am an elder, I'm a deacon, I'm a pastor, I'm a minister. And like you say, we have a job to do in the church. Come into the vineyard. The work is plenty, but the labors are few. So we don't have that, uh, that, in the, that how you call it, that motivation, that joy of being, of serving the Lord and serve the God, serve the Lord with gladness. But where is that gladness? So we look at what is going on in our leadership, too, 
as to some of the leadership. Now, I, I really tried to make, uh, not to say everybody, but this thing about, well, all and everybody and yada, 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 we have to come, because God is an individualist uh, type of person. He can know each individual person. So anyway, we look at the situation where we make this assumption that if I can't be a leader because I want to do this and I want to do that, and this is a lot of men say that, well, I don't want to be bothered because they don't want to use me. I know that God called me, but this this pastor, this bishop, don't want to put me up. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. Well, the bishop may be hearing from the Lord, and the bishop is telling, telling this person that, look, you have to prove yourself. You have to work, just like what they did with the deacons in the early days. But a lot of people, because the evil one is coming to that spirit and telling us that, look here, you know that you can speak good. You can sing wonderful. Uh, you can do this and you can do that. And you should be uh, running an evangelist uh, a camp by now. But what are you doing? You're sitting in the pews. So the man gets disgruntled. He gets upset. He gets an attitude. And he's not having the spirit of Christ in him like he should. And another thing, too, is that a lot of places they're not being taught. I was never taught a, a, a few of these things that we're running into today about holiness, about uh, the sin issue, about temptation. Okay, we always knew about temptation. You're going to be tempted in all areas. But are they explaining temptation to you? Are they explaining that, look, you're going to be tempted because this who he who endures temptation shall be saved. So, you know, you have to endure this. But are we being taught that you're going to have to go through temptation as a trial sometimes? It's going to hurt sometimes. They just say, okay, raise your hand, repeat after me. Now you're saved. Come to church, come to Bible study, and come to uh, Sunday school and come to church every Sunday. And then... Uh, bring your 10%. Well, we need to know more than that. And this is another thing that's lacking. And then there's a fear into what the evil one is always trying to instill that fear into people. Because we know that fear has to do with punishment. So Adam was really shaking in his boots probably, but then, like you say, he should have spoken up. And he could have spoken up. But he was deceived, and deception is another thing that we run into so much in the church. So many people are being lied to because of uh, doctrines and because of, uh, of the teaching and talks of these things. Well, next thing you know, there's a fade, a fad coming out. Well, we're talking about uh, uh, money nowadays. We're talking about faith nowadays. We're talking about this nowadays. How about just talk about like you say, the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Go into the gospel and find out what does God want. Go into the will of God. I have yet to hear uh, a few churches talk about, but this is the will of God. Let's do the will of God. They're said in their prayers, God, let your will be done, let your will be done. But are you studying scriptures to know what the will of God is? What does he want for me to do today? What does he want for me to do as a standard? So these are some of the things 
that is holding us back. And then you look at uh, at this, this scripture in Second uh, Corinthians. It says uh, seven. Cleanse yourself from all defilement, all this pollution and stuff. Cleanse yourself. Well, purity is a necessity along with holiness. So I've, I've talked with some married men. The wife's all up in church, the children's in the church. Well, brother, why aren't you in church? Man, there's so much stuff going on in church. Well, that's why you should be there, and then you could uh, cover everybody else. If one can chase a 1,000, two can chase 10,000, then you should be there praying for the body. Get with the uh, few guys and then just build up that body, build up that strength. I have not seen uh, this happening since maybe manpower. And you know how long ago that's been? And then you have these other marches, and then they're uh, polluting uh, the spirit of Christ by bringing in other religions or other doctrines and other, but God does not want all of that. We have enough right here by by following Jesus Christ. So when you start to follow in all these other different doctrines, uh, different means, because it also says, I think it was in uh, Matthew, uh, um, yeah, Matthew 24, 12, because it increases sin, it increases lawlessness, the love of many grow cold, and that's what we're seeing today, cold love, because there's very little fear of God, or no fear of God, because of that respect. Do we really respect God? Do we really worship the Lord? No wonder Jesus said, in vain do they worship me. In vain. That means we go in there and worship him and, and try to serve him with our lips, but our heart has turned away from him. So we got to get our hearts back to the Lord. But then, how do we talk to the brothers? We put out a field. We put out our fleets. Brother, let's have a program. Uh, one time, they had a, um, like a men breakfast thing. I mean, it must have been about 100, 200 uh, men in attendance to the breakfast from different churches. Three years ago. Come on. It was beautiful, but what happened to that twice a year, three times a year, four times a year? It's all right. Let's do this regular. But then you say, okay, let's try this again. Oh, well, you know, we're working on it. It seems like the evil one is steadily, steadily working. He's working 28 hours a day, you know, because every time uh, the Lord is, is, is trying to, Push our men to to build up and strengthen them and to learn more of him. It seems like the enemy is coming around with another attack, another temptation, another deception. And then we start to listen to this deception, listen to these lies. No wonder it says in Revelation 20 where uh, the devil is going to be let out after a thousand years and he go out and deceive people and many of the sins of the sea. That's a lot of people being deceived because this the devil was let out and just went out and just started telling a lie. Well, you know, I don't know how he would how he would get this thing doing, but that's why we have to get our act together, get strong in the Lord and the power of His might, and then follow 
follow, follow Jesus, as we are told to in Scripture. Go by the program that he's had. Go by all of the Scriptures. And, well, he had, uh, how you say, when Jesus came along, he came speaking differently than the Pharisees did. So, and we started receiving that. And like you say, the church started increasing. He increased daily because this is something new. This is different because the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God was into the people. They wanted to, even here in America, in the early day, early, early days now, not, not just recently days, but the early days, whereas those who were in Christ, they used to go and work for little or nothing, and they raised their families, sent the family to school. They had clothes. You didn't see all this welfare stuff, people sitting around for handouts. People worked, and that uh, word was a bond. They told the truth. I would be there at work at 6 o'clock in the morning or however, and they were there. They stood on the basic principles they got, and God honored that. God honored people, their sincerity, even though some of them were, like you say, messed it up or did something wrong, but that, that's when they, another uh, look at the Scarlet Cyrus thing is that if you do something wrong and then you're like, oh, my God, what did I do? Uh, get talked into something, uh, you do something you know you're not supposed to do, but because you're following a crowd, you're following somebody, uh, the temptation came at the wrong time, the wrong moment, and as you said, the wrong place, so you did something. And then you realize, like, oh, no, or either you're getting ready to do something, but it's in your heart. That time you say, oh, Lord, please help me. Oh, forgive me. I'm sorry. That's that God is sorry also that you're talking about. Then the Lord will res- respond. Rather than to say, well, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you have already committed adultery. So, therefore, the devil come and tell you, say, well, you already committed adultery, just what to go ahead on and go to the hotel and do what you got to do. But the dollar siren will come in and say, man, girl, go home. Here, here's a dollar. Take a cab. You know, even though you had lusted and you were ready and everything, but no, you thought about that consciousness came in and, and the Lord say, all right, that's my boy. You know what I mean? You cry. But when you do something, and then you get busted till the police roll up on you and you parked out on the dark end of the street somewhere. And then and you say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's that worldly sorrow because now you're scared to go to jail. You're scared your wife may catch you because you're caught up in adultery. That was going to talk about going to lead to death too. So we got to look at these different scenarios, look at different places and things. But this is why we have to really talk to our brothers, find out, look, why aren't you in the Lord? What did God do to you to make you want to leave him? You have everything. God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. But yet and still, we seem to be laid back. And then another thing to it, I hate to say this, but it is also true, and I think you touched on it, whereas uh, well, you said that the uh, the wife would let the man uh, be a 
ruler in his home? Well, this is also happening, too, because one day I call a pastor about taping in his church. He called his wife. Hey, honey, uh, Brother Michael uh, wants to do some taping in the church. And she said, no. He said, well, brother, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Yada, yada, yada. And you could tell by his tone how he humbled himself before her. Because now, she's so much worried about me taping in the church, but yet still, I'm hearing on the radio, I went all the way to South Carolina from Connecticut, and I'm hearing this music. I'm hearing this. I said, wait a minute. They noticed that the song and the message was coming in over the radio from down there. Well, how come they wouldn't let me tape it up here and put it over the radio, put it over the TV program that I'm doing? See, these are some of the things that we are really messing up with. We're putting God second and then putting ourselves up front or either letting somebody else come in the front to do what we should be doing, standing in the gap, being the leader, being the head. But how can we going to be the head when we are afraid to take that chance or to take that role and speak the thing because God has already given us the power and authority to use the name of Jesus and a lot of things that we can, uh, can do when we use his name. And these are the signs that shall follow those that use his name. Wow. Look what you have. Look who you are. But yet and still, there seems to be a shame or fear. And then it says, we have denied him because now, we call God a lie to his face in a lot of different circumstances. And and I'm not here today to argue or to push into things about why you call God a lie, but we do that. And one thing, with, when we deny him, when he tells something in the scripture, do this, do that, and you don't do it, I say, well, this ain't true, and God didn't say it, and God didn't do that, but it's there in the scripture. If it's there in the scripture, and, and especially if it's in the gospel, then we're the one calling God a liar because we said that he didn't say it. And you tell God that he didn't do something, it's just plain and straight. You call him a liar, and we should not do that. That is why we have to start the teaching basic principles, basic uh, understanding, and basic uh formulas of godliness. We need to go back to uh, what that the fruit of the Spirit, learn each one of them, and then make sure to practice them from our youth up, especially our men folk. So, you know, okay, let me give room to somebody else. I'm sorry. <laughs> this, is, this is one of my pet programs, my pet subjects, okay? All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. That was a really good message and really something to consider. Um, do you have any advice or solutions for the, the men to become leaders or to stand up for what is right? Um, you kind of touched on it a little bit just to know who you are, that we have the power and authority 
under Jesus the Christ, but is there anything else maybe you would like to advise men or leaders in this time? Well, you know, uh, one thing, we have to really believe, believe, and I mean truly believe in Jesus Christ. Because mm-hmm. it says that if you have faith and doubt, it's still sin. So we cannot, yeah. doubt, we cannot doubt the Lord, cannot doubt his word. And, and another thing, too, that in, as far as the faith goes, we have to put aside all of the mess and say, I am a child of God. Start to speaking it. Start to believing it. Look yeah. at most people, most people in this world like power. I don't care if it's money power, uh, prestige power, uh, 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 what's called that thing, um, what the devil got kicked out of heaven with, uh, pride, pride. vanity. Vanity, all these things. If if we could just get rid of that negative mentality and come up with a positive power, of the power mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit, if we just can just concede that God says, "Let there be," and the dome that produces look how high is the sky? You know what I mean? We got about two hundred miles of Earth's space. And that's the dome. Then there's a sun and a moon. Mm-hmm. 190 million miles away is a sun. If God is powerful enough to do that, and then he'd come and yeah. tell you, look here, uh, I, my eyes on the sparrow. Not one would rub to the ground without me not knowing it. You know how many sparrows there are in this world? And God knows mm-hmm. he makes mm-hmm. no flakes. And every snow crystal is supposed to be different. You know, like, God, are, are you serious? Are you for real? But then he says, right. fingers. Every man has a separate set of fingerprints. So, yes, mm-hmm. he is for real. And that kind of yeah. power, he said, I give unto you the Holy Spirit. Are we accepting it? Because, see, now the devil is really getting mad because you ain't supposed to know this. You don't yeah. want so we can just get through to the through to people and keep pushing this message that finding out, let them know who they are and what they're about. Mm-hmm. God, God is pure, and He desires purity. He desires holiness, and He desires faith, faith, and more faith. And then, above all, He's got to have love. Because if you don't love, you don't know him, and he don't know you. Mm-hmm. So. That's good. All right, we'll open it up for discussion. Okay. It looks like today we just have Lady Didi and my sister. So if they want to add or speak on Adam, where are you, or anything we discussed today, or to encourage someone or give advice to those that are listening, uh, your lines are now open. Hello, everyone. My lady, lady. I'm in Brown Deer, Wisconsin, just relaxing and feeling the spirit, just laying down, 
listening to you, and what is really touches me is that we know the mistake that Adam made, and he everybody's blaming everybody. But Adam should have took the responsibility because I feel he was the man. He should have stopped the woman, and the woman should have listened to him. And the serpent should have got out of the way. Out the way. Three is crowd. Two is company, and three is a crowd. He needs to get to stepping. All right, now. But I say now what we should do to make it better than worse. We women should stand up and help our men. What little women that got men help our men, encourage them instead of knocking them down to the ground to get on his feet. I'm here for you, baby, but I can't take care of you forever. I'll help you on this way because we like mothers because we had to push them out and then we take them back in. So I just put it like that. So what I'm saying is that us women, we've got that mother mentality. Kind of like the mama, the daddy, everything. So us women should try to help men get back on track. Because, see, they got off track back in the beginning. So it's up to us to have a strong spirit with God to encourage men to try to work and get on his feet. Because men don't, don't do that now. And try to, you know, don't have a woman do everything, have a baby and take care of the baby. The man should help take care of the baby, too. It should be both work together. You know, he worked maybe a full-time job, and she worked at least part-time because she got to come uh, a full-time job taking care of the kids. That's what it's about, working together. That's what love is. That's what God is. God is love. Love is God. So it should be men should be more learning the word and reading the Bible more so they can realize they're supposed to be out working. Now, I'm not sitting off of a woman on a welfare check, and she didn't push that baby out, and he, oh, I don't know that my baby. They, that's that's uh, that's bull. You know, that's baloney. Men be men, take care of their kids. I thank God that I had my kids. I didn't go through that kind of stuff, and, you know, God has blessed me. And I, I raised my daughters. I was married. My husband was there for me. And he, he, he you know, and when we broke up, he always was trying to be in my children's life, send a little something through the mail here and there and everywhere. Now that um, the kids are grown, he takes care of the grown daughters now. I mean, he liked doing where I finished off at, we left off, and he didn't. He, I started and he finished it. So it's about working together. That's all I can say. And Amen. love is the only way with the words. We gotta have the Bible. We got to have love in our heart. And we gotta be more looking out for each other. Not to think about me, me, me. It's all about we. It's about God. Number one is God. Number two is about us to work together with God. Number three is about the family. And then four is the helping out encouraging people in the world. Mm. I went over a friend's house yesterday, and, um, you know, somebody I, we met in church. And um, so we we, we kind of sat around and talked and stuff and had a good time. Went out for a minute. We played some pool. It just felt so funny for me. I was kind of out. I wanted to stay out in the back, like in the background, you know, because I'm just not used to going out. That's not in me anymore. And so... We got we got we got home. We didn't stay out but an hour or two. 
went out about 8 and got home by 10.30. And then I sat out here with this older woman, and she's, she's no much older than me. And she said she had three strokes. And I said, oh, girl, you're going to be fine. My mama had four strokes from the bottom on up, just name it, from the woman's private to the stomach to the breast to the brain. She's 85 years old, still alive. You're 62 years old. Look at me. I'm 61. Now, everybody say I look 40, 41. I say, look at me. I'm young. You're young, too. Say, you're right. And I just gave her encouragement. So this man tried to kill her while she's getting off the bus. But I said, look at it on the good side. God bless you with this other man to grab you and help you get to your car. So you got something to live for. You're still young. We're young. Look at me. I'm 61 and you're 62. All this time I thought you were way over me. I said, we're young, you know. And you look at me, you think I'm 41, so that made her feel good about herself. I said, girl, we're young. And I shook her hand and she pulled, she pulled, I pulled her hand up and we hugged. And I said, God bless you, honey. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You know what? I came in in my place. Uh, my grandkids call it hotel apartment. You know, I came to my hotel apartment. I stayed up to 5 o'clock in the morning. Do you hear me? I enjoy myself so much just encouraging people and just, you know, we encouraging each other. And I just stayed up watching good old movies. Old movies back in the day me and your son used to watch. A dream is my Okay. A second. We so got to stay on topic. Go ahead. Get off and finish. That when you reach out and touch souls, it makes you feel good about yourself. You don't even want to go to sleep. Sometimes I want to sleep my life away. I said, forget that. Get up out of that bed and find something to do. Help somebody. And then it don't make you want to sleep all day. You don't even worry about sleeping no more. So God don't want us to sleep our lives away. He wants us to get up and help those and encourage others. Mm-hmm. So, and find a friend to walk with and talk with. That keeps you going. Because this girl and me, we're going to start walking together. Like Adrena and my oldest daughter and Sian, my second second next to the oldest. We used to all walk around the track. And it keeps encouraging you to do it. And I pray one day I find the Lord bless me with my soulmate. We can walk together. I like that. I think that's so romantic to me. It might not be no big deal, but to hold hands and walk together and exercise, even when you get okay. to 89. Okay, you know? let's get back on topic now. We digress. All so right. basically you're saying we need to stop sleeping and be in union with one another and really getting having don't people encouraged. Right. Don't be putting the blame on nobody. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, Adam should have just said, well, I did wrong. I'm sorry. That's all he had to do. Eve could have said, I done wrong, and I'm sorry. And Satan ain't going to say, I did wrong. He's the servant. (laughs) No, he ain't going to say that. That's all. Mm -hmm. We all make mistakes, but let's learn from our mistakes and don't keep making the same ones over. Okay. Try to do better than Adam and Eve. That's why Jesus gave us a second chance. Let's try to be like Jesus. 
and let Adam and Eve go. They made a mistake, so let's let's follow Jesus. Amen. Example we can follow. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I love you for coming to help us. Oh, we all would have been going with Satan and hell. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven where Jesus is. Praise God. I know we all want to go, but we got to mm-hmm. help. Got to help others. That's what it's about. Did you see Jesus help those people with nasty sores on their bodies and all that stuff? We got to be strong folks that sick out there, not turn our backs and say, oh, forget them, you know? Mm-hmm. That's about love, Drina. So God bless you, Drina. God bless Brother Michael. God bless Sister Sia, Monique Turner-Haynes. All and right, God bless myself, Diane Leslie Battle-Turner. And whoever else is on here, God bless you too. You're not forgotten. <laughs> Amen. 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 So is there anything that you want to add, Mississippi Caller or Sister Sonia? Uh, basically what I learned is that I didn't even really know that Adam didn't, he should have uh, told her not to do that, but it was, I guess it was too late. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so. And, that, and that's the problem. Our men are sleeping today. Why are they in a deep sleep still? You know, no, it's like um, they still add them. <laughs> yeah, they need to wake up, wake up. Brenda uh, got a song, wake up, wake up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that song. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember that song, wake up, wake up. We can't sleep our life away. So we can't sit here and be like Adam and sleep our life away. Let's get up and wake up now. Women, men, everybody. Don't blame nobody. Don't point the finger at somebody because when you point the finger, that thumb is going back at you. So check yourself. Yeah, because you're doing something wrong too. Yes. We all got to work together. That's what it's about. If a woman's stronger mm. than a man, let her, let her, let her take control. I mean, there's some women stronger than the men. I can give a good example, but I'd rather not say no names. But I know a lady is strong and had her man get his degree. If it wasn't for her, he wouldn't have got his uh, degree. So there's some women that's strong that push that man to go to school because he, he, he didn't get a GED. She pushed him back to school, got a GED, and now he got a bachelor's degree. So there's some strong women out there push that man. Now, nothing wrong with that, honey. Don't pull him back like he did the wrong thing. Push him. Push him up. That's what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Follow the right way, not the wrong way. She's doing something wrong. Don't be a dummy and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do what she do. Now, she's doing the right thing, helping you do better for yourself. Hey, go follow with her and do it. If she jump out of a cliff, you don't jump off of a cliff. If she's flying high to the mountaintop, hey, go right up there with her, honey. Don't miss your chance of going to heaven. You got to know when to say yes and when to say no, no, no. And my no is what part of in and old do you not know? <laughs> and I know Christ and I know peace. That's what it's about. Know Christ, K-N-O-W, know peace, K-N-O-W. Yes, that's what it's about. Amen. Mm. I got so much Amen. love in my heart. God, thank you for for cleansing cleansing me up, cause I know I was a little something, a little a little girl, I was a little little tomboy, and I turned to a, a a young a beautiful young lady, and then a, a older young lady. 
I'm always going to be young at heart. I don't know. I don't care when I be 90. I'm still going to be young at heart because it's all in your heart. It's all in your mind. It's in your soul, all the way from your head to your toe. And it's all about God. Put him first before yourself, and everything else will fall just in place. And that's what it's all about. Amen. Amen. Any more amen? Amen. amen. We all in the Amen. Is there anybody else that want to add before we close? Because we're close to the hour. Yeah. Please speak up, someone. Don't be afraid. We won't bite you. <laughs> I guess not, because all we have is you, uh, Sonia, and uh, Michael today. So. Oh. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you, Adrena, it is really hard and disheartened that we do a program like this, and it Mm -hmm. takes a woman to, like, bring this out rather than a man would say, come on, guys, let's go. That's why I do appreciate, like, when Jake's did this years and years and years ago, that, you know, at least he stepped up then. But what happened? Where is it? I said, where did we go? Where did we go astray? So I really, I want to, like, push this, uh, the archives and push it up to make a a statement in my comment section. And if it looks like it's going to be a hard one, I'm sorry. You know, like, say, I know one time somebody said that, well, it looked like uh, fire and brimstone. Well, I got to because we need to push people, wake them up. In other words, give them a little swift kick sometimes to get them up out of that deep sleep and bring them back to life with the with the electrical paddle thing you put on the chest when they get ready to poop out. <laughs> well, I I think a lot of guys need that. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm just praying that we can just come back to the basics. What the Word of God uh, initially created man for. And and man is supposed to be the leader because they're following Christ. They have the word in them. They're living out the word, and they're showing that woman how to follow Christ. But instead, it's women showing men how to live for Christ or how to be men. Um, And they always complain that women don't know how to raise men but these men choose not to be in their son's lives, so therefore the mother does the best she can to raise the son to yes. be a gentleman. They may not be the man, they may not have the manly characteristics if they don't have an uncle or a cousin or someone older to kind of help the mother see, so that they can see that fatherly or husband type of roles or characteristics, but I am seeing many women today raising up great gentlemen. Um, They know how to respect a woman, how to treat a woman, and how to be there for their woman. But then men are always complaining that because they're raised by a woman, they tend to be more feminine, more emotional, and more sensitive. But, however, there was no man in their life. That father did not step up. So what I'm praying is that, you know, no one would listen to shows like this because of, like you stated, fear. They're seeing themselves naked and they're hiding. They're not willing to learn from their mistakes, 
learn from our forefather, Adam, and come back to Christ and be that head of their household. And then, unfortunately, we don't have many men that are stepping up in leadership. And many people are putting down President Obama, but he's doing a lot for this country. He's even allowing different love to take place. I may not agree with gays being in love, but the person who's going to judge them is God, not me. Not us. Right. And some people are upset that Obama allowed that, but it really went to the Supreme Court. So he doesn't have much say-so, but they're always putting blame on our president. But in some incidents, he's the only leader that some of us are seeing. You know, ever since our leaders in the 60s have died, people are running. They're hiding like Adam. Come forth and stand for what's right. The truth will set you free. And we're getting to the point that not only are we in the end times, but they're showing on the news now that they want to put that microchip in our hands. They've already put it in people. Uh, no, they they got just want to they're about to make oh. they're about to make a law in twenty seventeen that every man and woman will have that chip. Will you take it? Oh. So if we can have men come back to the fold if we as Believers and followers of Jesus Christ are just lip service and not really taking a stand on what God has already told us is to come, then we've got to be prepared and ready for ourselves. Because we were born in this world by ourselves, we're going to die and be accountable and judged by ourselves. And I can't blame my mother. I can't blame my father. I can't blame my mate. I can't blame people. I got to be accountable for my own actions for things I've said and done. So we got to get ready. And I just wanted to do this show as an opening to say, where are you? If we can't have these men in our household be leaders and and for uh, to help women know that how to follow Christ, then unfortunately we're going to have to stand up like Judge Deborah did. You know, she had to stand up during her time. There were women throughout the Bible that had to take a stand, just like the woman that was the first that went to the tomb when Jesus had risen. None of the disciples believed her. Thomas even said, you know, I got to touch him and stick my finger through his side to verify that that's Christ. And that's the kind of man we're having. They either are running and hiding or they got to have proof and evidence. Wow, yeah. But when, but it was the woman that first saw Christ and believed. Yeah. It was the woman. Yeah, woman. You're right. And it's so sad. Our men are not standing up for what's right. We see what men have done wrong throughout the Bible and through history, and it's like now we're just seeing men running high from responsibility from being the head in the household. And I'm praying that if God does send me a husband in these times, I'm praying that he truly follows Christ. He truly is that example that we need and that in the future my children will see. But right now, you know, everybody put down the president, but to be honest, in, in this lifespan, he's the only leader I can really see. I may not agree or disagree with everything he does, but it's sad when you only see one person that's trying to stand up for the people. Yeah. And and I go to church every Sunday, and I just don't feel that some men have that backbone anymore. Mm-hmm. 
They don't have that backbone. Not they only they don't have backbone, they don't have that hormone either. Almost <laughs> 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 I hear you, Brother Michael. <laughs> <laughs> you might need some hormone pills. <laughs> oh, gosh. Y'all need to stop yeah. now. Oh, okay. it is so funny. I had to laugh on that one. I'm sorry. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Like, you gotta laugh. You feel better. That, that that was a good one there, Michael. Yeah, but I'm not trying yeah, to scare you, but we do gotta get prepared. It's coming around 2017. They're about to make it a martial law oh, that I everybody know. has to I'm do like it. And in so. that movie, I don't want to take that chip. I'm not. Yeah. They're gonna, they gonna have to kill me. I'm sorry. I don't want they take that chip. But that's what the you enemy know, is gonna do. That's the mark of the beast. Yeah. All in my business. And they cut my finger off so they can get my money or whatever I got. Uh-uh. They don't have all your personal business, medical There's records, everything. in there. I don't like that. My social security. Well, again, that's the deception of the enemy. And a lot of people are going to fall for it because they think this is security. They think this is a way of protecting them. Oh. Um, and, and it's really not. It's a way for the enemy that's using technology. To keep up with business and everything you do. To keep up with everybody because he's not God. He's not all-knowing. He's not omnipresent, omni, you know, omniscient. He's somebody that has to use technology to his advantage to keep a tracking on everybody and all our personal life events and medical records and whatnot. So <laughs> that's his tool. And I wrote about this in Unleashing the Spirit. Again, that's another book people fear and will not pick up and read as an e-book. It already tells you everything. They actually call it the very chip, which is, uh, they call it like a micro angel. Okay. So it's, it's a deception of the enemy again. And we know that angel is Lucifer. So uh-huh. he uses this tracking device as a way to watch everybody. Yeah, and he so, uses the computer. He started off with the computer. Everybody right. thinks it's that computer. How you know there ain't a chip in that darn thing? I said, let me get off this computer. I guess God made mine, so it broke now, so I can't get on no more computer. Well, yeah, they use our soft phones yeah, right now no business, as a tracking honey. device. Believe me. Yeah. Through the yeah. phones and the computers and all this stuff. Correct, because nowadays our apps ask to use all your personal information. If you read any app that you download, it'll mm-hmm. say, can we use your photos, your personal data, all that. It, it clearly asks for that for you to assess. So, yeah, right now they're used little things like our cell phones, but it's not the same in a human body. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, That's like Star. Yeah. Next is going to be that mm-hmm. chip. And we're yeah. in that movie. That man don't want that chip. I feel the same way. Well, yeah, and I've been writing about it in this series. So hopefully the fictional series will do better than my nonfiction that tells you everything that you need to know. I even have diagrams of what the microchip looks like, where it initially started, where it came from. That book that book needs to be a movie because we need to see. Yeah. God's walking, yeah. talking through you. You need to have a, somebody get you get a movie out on that because we need to be awakened of what's happening before it's yeah, too late. Parents, well, it's starting to happen. I, I just saw it on Facebook. Oh, and, my um, no, it's to a it's to a reliable source. It's a guy that really it? does the Can news. Can avoid the chip? 
Um, if you don't again, think it, right. Again, if it becomes a law, which that's, and I've been writing this in my series over 10 years ago, Dang. it's going to become a law where they kind of make everybody. You know, just like you on the moment after, it eventually tried to make everybody get it because it was a, a, a law. And if you didn't get it, like the then you were considered they uh, all got arrested, whoever didn't so take it. Or go to jail if you don't take that chip. You're going to be in a concentration camp, just like I, they did the Jews, something oh, like that. Oh. Yeah. And yeah, that's so, Yeah, some of these movies are giving you signs, but, again, people oh. think it's just a movie. They're not willing to wake up, just like with Adam. We still haven't woke up from his mistake. That's all I'm just trying to get across. Hey, wake up, wake up, yeah. Okay. So is there anything else before we end the show? What you think? All right, it was good to talk to you guys today. It was a beautiful show. We enjoyed it. Well, I'm thankful. Thank you. Yeah, it was very, very deep, very deep. That is some. That's a, a some for thought for my mind now to just relax and just reevaluate all this. This is really some deep stuff, you know. We all yeah. gotta wake up and smell the coffee. All right, before, the, before the pot overflow. <laughs> Make me a pot of coffee. Wake up and smell that coffee. Yes, that's oh, all. Oh my, my, my. Yeah, oh, my, now my. We need to wake up and truly follow Christ. Christ. That's what we need to do. Yeah. Well, that's what I say, mm-hmm. smell the coffee. Don't wait till it's too late. Yeah, we better follow Christ and better, hey, we better get ourselves right. He take mm-hmm. me up there before that darn chip start coming out. I don't want to be in the chip. I'm sorry. That's not going to happen. That's I know happen. that. I'm going to be here with old gray hair hanging down my back. I already know that y'all didn't see the vision already. Yeah, and it's growing too. Yep, it's growing. It's down, down right. almost to my waistline now. And the top is catching up now, so. I'm going to be an old woman, I know that. I can't run, I can't hide, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thank everyone for staying and okay. really having a moment to discuss about, you know, where are you in Christ? Yeah. Who are you following? Just some things that we could look at what Adam's done and how can we improve and really truly be in the word and live and abide in right. him. You know, it's, it's one thing reading it or listening to something, but are you actually doing it? Yeah, and living it. I want to hear life this Sunday, definitely. I went to Mama's mm-hmm. last Sunday, so I